0: Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory so Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting at the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, The woman answered him, I have no husband. <laughs> Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors, ancestors worshipped on this mountain, But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, Can he? They left the city and they were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, four, more, four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for her eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor, Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Is there anybody else here who feels like we should have had an intermission halfway through that gospel reading? (laughs) Ken Thomas holding that cross up the whole time. Good job, buddy. I couldn't have done it. And after all that, I'm going to start with Exodus. And I'm not even going to talk about the Exodus passage we read today. The lectionary writers, they got it wrong again. There's a different story from Exodus that is more in keeping for today today. I'll tell you about it. It's the story of the burning bush. You remember that? Moses' first encounter with God. And at that time, God commissions Moses to go back to Egypt and rescue the Israelites, with God's help, from slavery. And near the end of this encounter with God, this conversation with God, Moses asks God this question. Moses says, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this, my title for all generations. I am God's title for all generations. I want you to hold that thought in your mind, and we'll get back to it in a few minutes, I promise. But for now, let's turn to this encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well. Now, there's some parallels here between today's story and what we look at what we reviewed last week, the story of Nicodemus. First of all, both Nicodemus and this woman woman have an amazing, amazing opportunity, the great privilege of having an extended one-on-one conversation with Jesus. And for both of them, it changed their lives. But there the similarities end remember Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's he's a leader of the Jews. He's a scholar. He's wealthy, and he commands and receives enormous respect in his community. This woman, on the other hand, first of all, she's, well, she's a woman. She's a woman in a male dominated culture. Secondly, she's not a Jew. Worse than that, she's a Samaritan. And remember, The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other and finally unlike Nicodemus she has zero respect in her own community and we know this for a couple of reasons first of all did you did you notice that the woman comes to the well at noon and alone now in that culture The women went to get the water, went to fetch the water, and it was always the women. They went to on the errand of getting the water first thing in the morning. They did this for two reasons. The first is pragmatic. It's simply much more comfortable then. It makes a lot more sense than to go do this task in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. But second, and really most importantly, all the women went at the same time. So this event of gathering water at the well was a social event as well as an errand. It provided them with an opportunity to talk with each other, to catch up with each other's business, and so forth. So those were the two reasons they went always and together early in the morning. The fact that this woman shows up at noon in the heat of the day by herself reveals that she's simply not welcome in what you and I would call polite company. And then second, in the conversation with Jesus, it is revealed that she is living with a man who is not her husband. In that day and age, that in and of itself is scandalous, absolutely scandalous. Now, as I pondered and read and reread this encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well. I began to realize that this story provides an answer to a question that has plagued me, that has troubled me for a long, long time. The question is this, who am I? Who am I? Now I don't mean who am I in the ontological sense, what is the essence of my being, what is the nature of my existence on earth? I mean, who am I in the sense of, who am I? Who am I to presume, to proclaim the gospel of Christ? This is something along the lines of the self-questioning, the self-doubt that we see present in the well-known imposter's syndrome. It goes something like this. Who am I? I'm not the perfect Christian. Who am I? I don't even know the Bible all that well. Who am I? I don't pray nearly enough. This who am I, this series of who am I questions struck me in the face when I was going through the process of discernment, determining whether I was called to be a priest. Over and over, I kept coming back to who am I and thinking, is God Calling me to be a priest? Really? Now that was years ago, but even today I'm still plagued by the who am I questions. Who am I to presume to stand before you and give a sermon? Who am I to to lead this group in worship and prayers on Sunday? Who am I to pray with you and pray over you in times of sorrow and hurt and need? Who am I? Who am I? But today's gospel lesson gives an answer to that question and provides some significant comfort. Let's think about this for a minute. Let's return to this woman at the well. Who is she? We've already outlined the fact that she is somebody who garners no respect in her community If we were to to think about the characteristics that the world would say makes one worthy of proclaiming the gospel of Christ and then line these people up from the most qualified to the least qualified, this woman, let's face it, in the eyes of the world would be pretty much near the end or at the end of the line, somebody who could easily say, who am I? And yet... And yet, immediately after her encounter with Jesus, this woman goes out to evangelize and becomes one of the most successful evangelists in all of history. What happened? What happened to take this this apparently unqualified, this scandalized even woman and make her so successful as a a speaker on behalf of Christ. Well, I think it all turns on two words we find in this encounter. The two words are Ego, I, me. Ego, I, me. Greek for I am. The same words we read in Exodus a moment ago. In fact, when you take the Exodus statement by God, I am who I am, the I am in Hebrew when translated into Greek becomes ego, I me. And so when Jesus looks at the woman and makes this statement, I am. Well, it is a stunning statement. Jesus is making the claim to be God, and every Hebrew in the world would recognize this because every Jew knows the story of the burning bush, knows the story of I am is my name, my title for all generations. At this point, you may think, but wait a minute, wait a minute now. This woman was a Samaritan. She wasn't a Jew. That's true. So it's important to know the shared history of the Hebrews and the Samaritans. You see, this goes back for several hundred years before the sitting at the the, the event at the well, a time when the Assyrian nation overran and destroyed, obliterated the northern kingdom of Israel. And when that happened, When that happened, the Jews in the northern kingdom began to intermarry with the Assyrians and the generations that followed produced the Samaritans. And the Jews in the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, well, they began to revile these Samaritans because they failed to keep the pure bloodlines. In other words, all this underscores that old saying, there's no feud like a family feud. But the Samaritans and the Jews shared the old stories. They shared the stories of the burning bush. They shared the story of I am who I am. They shared the stories of the coming of the Messiah. In fact, this woman confirms that when she brings up the notion of the Messiah, the Christ, to Jesus. And so when Jesus speaks to her, he is choosing his words carefully. He knows what he's saying when he says, Ego, I me, I am. And with those two words, the woman's whole world spins and turns over on its axis. This woman who certainly was qualified to say, Who am I? Suddenly has it revealed to her that who am I is the wrong question. The correct question is, Who is this? Who is this who is compelling me to go out into the world and talk about him? And when she realized it was the Christ, it was the Messiah... she went out immediately to begin to proclaim the word. Now, all of this has enormous impact for me. I can continue to ask the question, who am I, who am I, who am I? But now I know that's the wrong question. The right question is, who is this? Who is this compelling me to ministry The answer, of course, is it is Jesus. Jesus is the one compelling me to ministry. And by the way, Jesus isn't asking me to be the perfect minister or the best minister ever. Not even asking me to be the best minister in Dothan. Heck, I'm not even supposed to be the best minister inside the circle. I'm only asked to be the best minister that I can be. And all of this, all of this also applies to you, to each of you. You see, Jesus is also calling you to ministry. He's probably not calling you to be a priest, so don't worry. You don't have to go to seminary. He's probably not, oh well, possibly, but probably not calling you to go to Central America and live and be a missionary. But he's calling you to ministry. And that ministry may be sharing your story of God's experiencing God's love with people at work or people in social settings. That ministry may be sharing your voice and singing praises with the choir. That ministry may be working with people, young children of of lesser means at Selma Elementary School, Selma Street. It may mean working and tutoring children in our ACE program. It It may mean this or that, and I could go on and on and on with examples. There are so many ways to be in ministry But whatever it is for you, you know what it is. You know what your call to ministry is. Your call is that thought that Jesus keeps planting in your brain. That thought that Jesus plants in our heads and we push it out, but it comes back. We push it out again and it comes back. We push it out over and over Until we begin to ask, who am I? As you struggle with that thought, the one that's so persistent, remember the question is not, who am I? The question is, who is this? Who is this calling me to this ministry? And if the answer to that question is, it is Jesus, then can we do anything less than respond with the enthusiasm that is modeled by the woman at the well? Did you notice she takes her huge jar up there to get the water for the day? And after ca- encountering Jesus, after hearing, I am, after knowing who it is that's asking the question, She leaves the jug at the side of the well because she wants to get back into town as quickly as she can to begin saying, you've got to see this guy. If the answer to the question for you and I is the question of who is this, if the answer is Jesus, can we do anything less than respond in the nature that this woman responded? Can we do anything less Can we? In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.